0: This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Scripture reading today will be taken from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 to 20. Uh, Give us a moment uh, to grab our Bibles, or you can follow the passage on the screen. So Matthew 28 is an account of what happened after Jesus died. Matthew chapter 28, reading from verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, wrote back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clapped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated amongst the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of God. Uh, Pastor Nicholas will now speak to us uh, God's word.
1: Good morning, everyone. It's a great privilege uh, to to preach uh, God's word to you. And thank you for joining us uh, if you are here, especially if you are here for the first time. So what we'll be doing is we'll be looking at the passage that we just read. I'll be explaining some of the things there for, your, for all of us. So, and we believe that this is God's word. So let me ask God uh, for, for help as we try to understand it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, open up our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. As scriptures are read, as your word is proclaimed, may we hear with joy what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Yeah, I want to start by telling you about an animal. See if you can guess what it is. So it, it has a fur on its body. It's the size of a rabbit. It has webbed feet like a duck. It has a beak like a duck. And it lays eggs. So what animal is this? Platypus, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Jonathan, for guessing it even before I said anything. It's the platypus. Now, this is a strange animal. Is it a mammal? Is it a reptile? So, the, uh, in the 18th century, when people first heard about the platypus, people were amazed. People couldn't believe that such an animal could exist. So, even though there was eyewitness, there was, uh, eyewitnesses of the platypus, there was evidence of the animal's skin, people still rejected the evidence. They took... Really long for anyone to believe uh, that this is real. So, because we all have this view of how the world works, if it doesn't fit, if what happens in reality doesn't fit our view of the world, we find it really hard to accept. So, our view of the world help gives, helps us understand the world, helps us interpret the world, and gives us a stability in life. So, for example, if Afterwards, we all go for lunch, and we go for we go to lambs, noodles. Uh, I will order my usual: uh, chicken drumstick with, with noodles and a taping. Okay, some people are shaking their heads. So, so this cost me. I know it's nine dollars ninety cents. But my view of this, my view of uh, the world, is limited. You see, if I go to another noodle shop and buy taping and, and chicken uh, chicken noodles, I I can't be sure that it costs nine dollars ninety cents. And what's more, if, if I go to another country, I can't even be sure that my bowl of noodles and my taping is in sing dollars. So that's why we like to be exposed uh, to different cultures, to challenge our view of the world, to learn, to grow. And we can do that now because travelling is opening up here. Yeah, now I'll go to other countries. Uh, but first, uh, ICA must get around to extending your passport. So today, I would like you—I like to be part of your journey to grow, to widen your view of the world. Today, I want to introduce you to the Christian culture, to the very core of Christianity. The very core of Christianity—the thing that is of first importance—they read about is Jesus died and Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus' death and res- his resurrection. Today, I want to talk to you about the resurrected Jesus and what it means for you. Your immediate reaction might be, this is all fake. Dead people don't come back to life. But friends, remember the platypus. Don't mistake the paradox for the contradiction. Don't mistake the improbable for the impossible. The writer of Sherlock Holmes said, when you have eliminated all that is impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. So today that's what we're doing, we're eliminating some of the impossible to show you that Jesus really rose from the dead. We'll begin our journey in this true account of Jesus' resurrection. Uh, we'll be looking at uh, Matthew chapter 28. So what, what happens is, we'll, we'll look at the small numbers. Okay, so the, the small numbers refer to, uh, I'll call them verse numbers, and this will help us look at the same sentences together. So I'll read from verse 1. Chapter 28, verse 1. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Now this was the first... Sunday and two Marys were here to visit the tomb. They they expected to pay respects to the the, the dead beloved uh, master and teacher Jesus, and they did not expect an empty tomb. See what happened is so this is Sunday, but what happened the Friday before is that Jesus was publicly executed. So after he died, they put his body in the tomb and they covered this the tomb or uh, this tomb entrance with a large stone, so that and to prevent uh, disciples from stealing the body uh, after, and, and saying that Jesus came back to life, the authorities placed uh, guards, uh, professional guards with weapons to, at, the, at, the guard, at, the, at the front of the tomb so that no one can steal the body. Everyone expected the dead Jesus to stay dead and stay in the tomb. And everyone expected Jesus' followers to look at the guards and be frightened for their lives and not ever think about trying to steal the body. But what happened? Look at our passage, it says that there's an earthquake and an angel came and this, this angel single-handedly rolled the stone away and sat on the stone like a park bench. And the guards, what happened to them? They kept shaking and shaking and they lay on the floor. They are still their art weapons, all useless against this one sitting angel. And two horrified women, they witnessed the scene. They knew they stood no chance against this mighty angel. But this angel didn't hurt them. Look at verse 5. What does the angel say to the woman? What what does the angel say? The angel angel said said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and come and see the place where where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you." So the angel tells, tells the woman two things. First, the angel says, Jesus has risen from the dead. Jesus is alive. He is in the tomb. Look at the tomb. His tomb is empty. That's the first thing. Now, second thing is, tell the disciples, tell the followers of Jesus, tell the, tell the followers that Jesus is alive and tell them to meet, meet him in Galilee. So the women excitedly, they went off uh, to tell Jesus' followers. And who else meets them? What does verse 9 say? Verse 9. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So the women witnessed Jesus' So Jesus really is alive. He's not dead. Just as the angels said, he must be God. So they grabbed his feet and he bowed down to him. They worshipped him. And Jesus tells them, tells them to tell the disciples again to go to Galilee. Now as I read this passage, I wondered why did Jesus say the same thing as the angels? Why do the disciples get two invites to go to Galilee? Well, we need a bit of backstory to this. Well, That's because if, when Jesus was arrested, all the disciples, what did they do? They deserted him. They left Jesus to his enemies. And even the most outspoken of them, Peter, he swore three times that he doesn't know Jesus. So all the disciples deserve to be deserted by Jesus. But If you look at the passage, what does Jesus call them? Jesus calls them, My brothers, not my enemy, my brothers. So Jesus forgives them. Jesus welcomes them as his family. So what does this account teach us? So firstly, this account teaches us. Okay, so my brothers. Okay, there we go. So what does this account teach us? This account teaches teaches us that firstly, Jesus really rose from the dead. Now how can we be sure? We can be sure because there are witnesses. Let me share with you a story. Once my family planned to go to East Coast Park with another family, and so we reached, the, we reached East Coast Park first, and we were waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the other family's taxi. And then after waiting a long time, the family called and said, sorry, we're going to be very late. Our taxi got caught in the accident. So, uh, so uh, they went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you're... They did scans and said, you're okay. And they still came to, to meet us at East Coast Park. And then when they reached, we all said, hey, what happened? Why, how, come, how come the accident happened? And they all said, because they all witnessed, so they all witnessed the taxi driver driving with one hand. And that's not all. The next thing happened is someone called the taxi driver. So what did the taxi driver do? Let go of the steering wheel and pick the call. And that's where the accident happened. So I wasn't in the car, I wasn't with them when it happened. So how do I know that this is true? I know that this happened because of the witnesses. The witnesses uh, saw what happened and they told me what happened, so I can believe them. That they, uh, but what happened, the taxi driver let go of the steering wheel. In the same way, we can know that Jesus was raised, raised from the dead because, of that, because of the witness gave us evidence. See, the witnesses told us about the empty tomb tells us about the angels, the fainted soldiers, the resurrected Jesus. The witnesses even grabbed Jesus' feet. Jesus is a real person. Now you might say, well, this whole account is all made up. Maybe this whole thing is all fake anyway. Well, if you want to make a fake eyewitness account in those days, uh, you wouldn't use Mary and Mary as as your witnesses. You will use Men. You would, because in those days, well, women's testimony did, uh, wasn't so strong in court. So to use women as your witnesses will weaken your argument, will weaken the proof that Jesus really rose from the dead. So when Matthew uses women as, as his witnesses, that's because he's telling you these are really witnesses. This really happened. This wasn't made up. Jesus really rose. So, first point, Jesus really rose. Second point that Jesus fixes our relationship with God. Now, if Jesus really rose from the dead, Jesus can fix our relationship with God, just like He did for the disciples when, after they all deserted Him. You see, friends, all of us have, have said no to God. All of us. We treat Jesus as if He was still dead, as if He was still in the tomb. So for some of us, we think that... Uh, Maybe Jesus is good for the Christians, but we don't need Jesus now. We are good. So it's like how we brush off the salespeople at the MRT stations or shopping centers. Now friends, brushing off Jesus might be okay if he's just a normal person. But remember how the women treated Jesus? They treated Jesus like God. They bowed down to him. They worshipped him. So if we ignore Jesus, we are ignoring God. If we ignore God, we are ignoring the one who made the world. We are ignoring the one who is in charge of the world. We are ignoring the person who made you and I. We ignored our maker at our own peril. Now Jesus, He knows we are like that. And Jesus loves us. and He offers to repair, He offers to fix our relationship with Him. So we will stop ignoring Him so that we can start to love Him. So that we can call Jesus our brother. So the resurrected Jesus is witnessed. Now this means Jesus really rose from the dead. And Jesus can fix our relationship with God. But some people will do all they can to deny Jesus. To deny Jesus' resurrection. So remember the guards who fainted? Now our account continues with them. Verse 11. Look with me at verse 11. When, <clears throat> while the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. So some of the so what happened? Is some of the guards they went to re, uh, they report to the religious leaders. They said, "I'm sorry, sir, we lost the body." And the leader said, mm, "What happened?" And the soldiers said, "Well, we felt we felt this great earthquake, and then we saw this mighty angel coming down, and he rolled the stone away as if it were, it was just a rubber ball, and then we all fell to the ground shaking in fear. And when we got up, the, to- the tomb was empty." Now, the religious leaders cannot deny that the soldiers were at the tomb. And the religious leaders also cannot deny that the tomb is empty. So what can they do? So the religious leaders refuse to believe that Jesus has risen from the dead because the resurrected Jesus contradicts their view of the world. Their view of the world is that Jesus must die. You see, the religious leaders don't like Jesus. They were the ones who were plotted to kill Jesus. So what can they do? They cannot deny the soldiers. They cannot deny the empty tomb. So you must find a way to explain soldiers and the empty tomb uh, and explain how come the body is missing. So what did they do? This is what they tried. Verse 12. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say, His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. So the religious leaders, they bribed the soldiers with a lot of money. So they paid paid the guards to say they fell asleep while guarding the tomb and the disciples stole the body and in verse 15 it tells us that this is the official line of what happened that day. So this friends is the smear campaign the smear campaign against the resurrected Jesus. Now uh, It's like how some companies today they pay influencers to smear other companies. So if you are on social media don't always believe uh, what, you, what you watch. So like how Meta the company behind Facebook uh, they Pay influencers to smear uh, TikTok, or how uh, f- some French and German influencers got offers to smear COVID vaccine. So they apparently they said, if you take this COVID vaccine, you'll make make you become like a chimpanzee. Okay, so this was ten months ago. So you might have heard about this. So in this, so in our passage uh, in Matthew, who are the influencers? The influencers are the gods. And the ones behind the influencers, they were the religious leaders. The religious leaders are the ones paying for the smear campaign against Jesus. But, friends, you think about it. This foolish lie is actually strange. It's stranger than the truth. I mean, think about it. If, if let's say, these, these were soldiers. Okay, so, some of, some of us here have done guard duty at night. And we know if you fall we, we know we don't fall asleep because we don't, if you fall asleep, we'll get extra guard duty for the rest of the month. For the people then, what happens if they fall asleep? They get executed. So they, they make sure if they have to sleep, they will take turns to fall asleep. That's not all. You see, if the guards were really asleep, then there must be something wrong with their hearing. Okay, So these are soldiers, professional soldiers. They are trained to always be ready for war. So if they are sleeping, their ears are still tuned for any strange sound so if you hear any strange sound at least one of them will wake up and wake everyone up to get ready for war now there was a heavy stone in front of the tomb and uh, so to move the stone surely there must be some sound of the of the stone rubbing against a the rock there's some grinding sound and these are I, i'm sure the disciples right they'll be grunting heavily as they try to push this heavy stone away from the tomb and this, so this doesn't make sense. Surely the soldiers must have heard some sound and some one of them, at least, must have woken up to, uh, to, stop, to stop what's going on. It doesn't make sense. Or worse still, worse still, if they were really all sleeping, then how do they know that it's the disciples have sold the body? It doesn't make sense. Uh, they are asleep, but somehow they can still see that it's the disciples stealing the body. So this lie doesn't make sense. So, but, the, but the soldiers took the money and told the lie. And it wasn't enough for them to lie to themselves. No, they took the money to lie to other people. Other people must believe in that same lie. And historical documents shows us that more than 100 years after this event, the Jews still continue to tell people about this lie. The religious leaders wanted Jesus dead, but the truth it's undeniable that Jesus was raised. So the undeniable truth challenged the chief priests. challenged the religious leaders' view of the world. So when the, so when the resurrected Jesus confronts the, their view of the world, the religious religious leaders, they make up a lie to deny the truth. Now my friend shared, shared this about her aged mother. So... Her aged mother, she's old, but she loves to keep the house clean. And she always uses something like this. Okay, let me show you. Okay. okay, so for those of you who don't know, uh, this is a mop, and this is a mop bucket. So, how you mop your house, okay, so this is for the, the younger ones among us who might not know how to use a mop. Okay, so what you do is there's, mop, there's deter, 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 detergent and water, so you put the mop inside here and then you take it out and then you squeeze the mop dry so that it's a bit damp and you can clean the floor now the part that's very difficult is to squeeze the mop dry you need a lot of strength to do that okay so what my friend did what my friend did for her aged mother was that she bought her aged mother a spin mop so if you go to NTUC you'll see or some hardware you see, spin mop. So you use a little bit of strength, press it down, and it squeezes the mop dry for you. So she wanted, to, she wanted her mom to have an easier time cleaning the floor, but her mom refuses to use this new spin mop. What does she say? The mom will say, Aiyah, this new one cannot clean properly lah. She refuses to change her mind, she refuses to, yeah, to, to see the truth that the, the new mop... Is better than the old mob. Friends, sometimes we are like this. It's easier to deny the truth. It's easier to stick to our view of the world rather than stick to the truth. So let's consider the evidences again. So we have the empty tomb, the fainted guards, the witness of the woman who saw Jesus, who saw the angel. So, what do these pieces of the evidence tell us? These pieces of the evidence tell us. Jesus really rose. This is undeniable. The question is, will you accept the truth like the woman? Or will you lie about the truth to yourself, to others, like the religious leaders? So the religious leaders deny the truth. They bury their head in the sand. They lied knowingly. Now let me give you an example. Now today today some people think that our Tap water is unclean. So, uh, talking point: uh, We took fifteen samples uh, for lab testing. So, five from restaurants, from shopping centres, five from HDB flats, and five from public toilets. So, they tested to see whether there's any bacteria in the water in the tap water. And what did the lab results say? No bacteria in all fifteen. None at all. Even the toilet ones. So our tap water is clean. So we need to adjust our views to this truth. We need to say that our tap water is clean too. So what we should not do is to use our views and impose it on the truth and say that tap water is still unclean. That is the wrong way to do, to do things. To The wrong way to see the world. We cannot adjust the truth to fit our views. We must adjust our views to fit the truth. The same for what we're looking at today. The truth is Jesus rose from the dead. That Jesus is God. To so follow the evidence, accept the truth, we should believe that Jesus really rose from the dead, that Jesus really is God. Now this view might be, might be new to you, might be unfamiliar to you. So I'd like you to spend some time considering it. So what you what you can do is you could we have some books at the at the book table over there, they are for you to take. So please take them, please read them. You can also join us for a three course called Hope Explored for us for you for us and for you to look together at what Christian hope is. And there'll be more details about this later. Let's summarize what you have seen. So first you see that the resurrected Jesus is witnessed. So we can believe that he rose from the dead, that he really is God. And secondly, we see that the resurrected Jesus is undeniable. So we can't cover up Jesus' resurrection. So since Jesus really rose, what does it mean for those of us who follow him? What's it mean for his disciples that he sends? Well, it means two things. So first, it means that we believe. Okay, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So the eleven disciples, the eleven followers of Jesus got the message, got the resurrected Jesus' message from the two witnesses. So here they are in Galilee uh, to meet Jesus. And Jesus, remember, Jesus called them his brothers. So I wonder how these eleven disciples felt when they saw Jesus. Now they see Jesus very much alive, standing before them. They can touch him. Well, maybe they were in shock because how can the dead Jesus come back to life? But he must be God to be able to rise from the dead. So they worshipped him. But some were not fully sure about Jesus. These brothers of Jesus worshipped him, but some doubted. So maybe they had doubts about the details of Jesus' resurrection. Maybe, maybe they had doubts whether the resurrected Jesus will accept them back because they deserted him previously. Now the disciples had some way to go uh, to deal with all their doubts. But at this point, they all believe in Jesus and they all believe Jesus is God. They all believe Jesus rose from the dead and they worship him. Now this is what believing in Jesus looks like. Believing in Jesus means that we believe Jesus died and Jesus rose from the dead. We believe that Jesus is our God. When we rely on Him, we trust Him as our God. Now, believing in Jesus doesn't mean we have all the answers to Christianity. If you ask any Christian, if you know everything about God, we will say, no we don't, but we are still finding out. That is what a disciple is. A disciple is someone who learns about Jesus. It's just like uh, my phone. Okay, so my phone uh, can do a lot of things and I haven't learned some of the functions. So I don't know. I still don't know how to use the the, the, the speech function. So I think my, my Samsung, so it'd be hello. Hi Bixby. I think not hello. So some of you hello Siri. Hi, uh, Google. So I don't know how to use everything in my phone, but I know how to make a call. And I know that if I make a call, my phone will work and right? my phone will call whoever i want to call so in the same way you don't need to know everything about jesus to believe in him to follow him but you need to know jesus died jesus rose from the dead and you need to rely on him as your god the rest you can learn along the way because that's what believing is believe is despite doubt that's the first thing the second thing is verse eight, from verse 18 onwards verse 18. Okay, So that's the phone, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So all of Jesus' disciples are uh, to make more disciples for Jesus. Now when I think of disciples, I sometimes think of those Kung Fu shows. Now after watching some Kung Fu shows, I realized that there is a common plot. There are a few common plots. And one of these common plots is this. Okay, so to make disciples. So one of these common plots is uh, the, this powerful Kung Fu master has two disciples. <clears throat> and then the Kung Fu, this powerful Kung Fu master dies. And these, these two disciples, they set up rival Kung Fu schools. So the, and the rival schools both insist that they are the original, uh, original disciple. I think about Zheng Zhong or something. Disciple. So which disciple is the one that the, that the master actually appointed? Well, the disciples must fight it out. And the winner is the appointed successor. You see... Everyone knows that the the powerful master taught this secret technique only to one of the disciples. And at first, as they are fighting, this disciple doesn't want to use this special technique, secret technique, but he's losing the fight. Then he looks to the side and he sees his disciples cheering him on. And then he looks to the other side and he sees his wife giving him an encouraging nod. So he unleashes his secret technique and he wins. So the, the winner is the appointed successor. So the winner can make disciples, and the loser must close his school. So there's only one, uh, one original, one one authentic disciple. So they teach. Uh, so, but that's the case for our kung fu shows. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't have one appointed disciple. You see, he has eleven appointed. He appoints all of them to make disciples for him. And each disciple is supposed to teach these other disciples everything that Jesus taught them. Everything, including how Jesus died and rose from the dead. Everything, including how Jesus tells them to make new disciples. And the new generation of disciples make more disciples. And that newer generation make more and more disciples. And it continues on until today. but how can we have the strength to make more disciples? You might say, I'm just a mere teenager. Or I'm an ordinary office worker, office intern. Or I'm just an ordinary, a normal homemaker. I don't have the strength to do that. I don't have the energy. It's just too exhausting thinking about all that. My friends, you can't do it alone. No, you can't. But verse 20 tells us, that Jesus is always with you. And what do we learn about this? Jesus who is always with you. We learn that Jesus, in verse 18, has all authority in heaven and on earth. He is almighty, all-powerful, the resurrected Jesus is with you. Know that Jesus is always with you, always encouraging you, always strengthening you. Know this and make disciples for him. So as his disciple, we must make more disciples. We cannot keep uh, this message to ourselves. Now this is difficult. You see, our culture wants, wants us to be quiet about religion. We keep our faith private. But someone has said, there is no such thing as a privatized faith in a resurrected Christ. Those who believe the gospel of Jesus, proclaim the gospel of Jesus no matter what it costs. Friends, being a disciple of Jesus means that we make disciples. We cannot keep this message private. We cannot keep this message to ourselves. Other people need to know about Jesus. They need to know that Jesus rose from the dead. They need to know that Jesus is, is truly God. They need to know that Jesus has authority in heaven and on earth. And they need to know that one day, this all-powerful, almighty, all-sovereign Jesus will hold them accountable for all the times that they have ignored Jesus. Friends, we must make disciples. Now this might mean telling someone about Jesus, or reading the Bible with your friend in church, or your friend outside church, or telling your neighbor what you learned on Sunday, telling your neighbor what you learned during the week, or talking about Jesus on your social media. You see, we, we all have the resurrected Jesus with us as we try to make disciples for Him. So what have we seen today? We see that the resurrected Jesus is witnessed. The resurrected Jesus is undeniable. The resurrected Jesus is the truth. We, can't, we cannot ignore the witnesses. We cannot keep denying Jesus. Remember the platypus. The, the, and Jesus' resurrection means that Jesus is God. Jesus is God's authority over heaven, over earth, and over you. Believe that Jesus died and believe Jesus rose from the dead. Believe that Jesus is your God. Friends, you may accept him, you may reject him, but your response to Jesus doesn't change who Jesus is. That Jesus rose from the dead, that Jesus is God. So you must believe that Jesus is God. And when you believe that Jesus is your God, the resurrected Jesus sends you. Jesus is always with you and he sends you to make more disciples, to tell others that he rose from the dead, to tell others that he is God. Let me pray for us, ask God to help us to remember these things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for the resurrected Jesus. May we be willing uh, to believe in his resurrection and give us willing hearts uh, to, to make disciples for Jesus. In Jesus' name, Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at bcpc.sg.